Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and so many theories. You can follow The Story Tinker right here on YouTube, as well as all podcast platforms. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. For bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. If you like what you see, please like and subscribe. Thank you for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Purple Hyacinth Story Tinker podcast, and it was called Trying Partner. And today we are with London, Fire Dancer, and Foo. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, this is quite an episode. It goes together with the whole um, cave arc, and this is the last sequence of that. So in our, what they're returning from, they have just come from their encounter with Blakesley. They had this ninja fight on the rooftop and uh, Kieran saved her life. So now, and she helped bandage him up. And we open up with her, you know, kind of finishing bandaging him up. And Lauren is looking down and, you know, she's having difficulty seeing this. And she says, Kieran, she pauses. About earlier, pause, I, I just... And then we get a glimpse of just her mouth and nose. And you get the impression because she is having a very hard time saying this. And by blocking off her eyes, which are which is her expression, expression, and like the window to the soul, it just shows you how much she has difficulty with opening up and being true. And she says, thank you. And she's looking down and not looking at him. It's very, very difficult for her to acknowledge that she needs help from other people. And I think she's like that in general, but I think also especially for Kieran, because she doesn't have that kind of relationship with him. You know, they've been just joking. There's obviously this a lot of undercurrent of antagonism between them, and she has a lot of doubts about, about him and her deal. So it's a lot for her to admit that and say that to him. Yeah, no, and I think especially because it so goes so against her nature to thank someone that she knows is a murderer and is an assassin and is the person that she would usually be going after. So but I also think that she at her core is um, she recognizes when people do things for her and she wants to make sure that she acknowledges that because she wants to show that she appreciates it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for her. She does that sense of justice that she has inside her does also compel her to, like you said, acknowledge when people have done things for her. She does want things to always be done correctly despite you know the any difficulty it comes with for her emotionally and Kieran is surprised by this he turns around and he has this very one of there's you know select scenes or panels where we have an open Kieran face and this is one of them and to me personally it's very memorable I mean that is my (laughs) that's my like Achilles heel people people's being emotionally vulnerable that's um I find that very compelling um something I always it's like the I find it the most satisfying fulfilling rewarding feeling um, which is why I originally wanted to be a psychologist to get people to get to this place of emotional vulnerability and healing so he turns to him he's like what and Lauren you know she has a hard time she's like she already I already said it once I have to say it again (laughs) you know you kind of like see that frustration 
she burrows her eyebrows and she inhales and she says, this time though, she looks at him full on in the face and she says, thank you. So kudos to her, you know, she, by doubling down, by asking her, you know, again, she got the courage to face him and say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can relate to Lauren a little bit here because it is, when you're a very closed off person, it is very hard to just like sometimes give credit to someone who you normally wouldn't or just kind of be open with your emotions at least a little bit it is it's very just all you want to do is just like wall yourself off so you just kind of got to force yourself through it it is and character progression Mm -hmm. yes but you did it which is a step in the right direction like oh yeah she may be slightly morally questionable, but at least she has good manners. Indeed. She knows where to give credit when credit is due. Also, I think it, she would feel bad not to acknowledge it, right? Like, it would kind yeah. of eat at her in the same way, like, when you do something that you know is not right. She knows that, like, acknowledging it and thanking him is the right thing to do, even mm-hmm. though it it's kind of counterintuitive for her in her mind to be thanking him. But it's true, like, and you... Like in the previous episode, we saw her, the way that she was acting. She's been thinking about that since the moment he saved her. Yeah. So you could, this has probably been like a couple hours since then to like get back and get clean and all that. So she's been like thinking this through for a while. So yeah, this is the best time for her to just thank him for saving her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also the communication, beautiful. Mm. Even though we get so few of it this season. <laughs> you know I like to think that this episode is a bit of a shift in terms of like their relationship it kind of changes the dynamic slightly because they're getting to know each other now and kind of becoming more comfortable with each other beyond the deal that they set which we've already established would not have lasted for long no (laughs) so it's good to see boundaries breaking and them being comfortable around each other Mm -hmm. it is yeah it's I feel like in, in throughout the series, but in season one specifically, you can see like shifts in their relationship and like tonal shifts. It's like first you have them meeting, them forming the partnership. And then here you see the slow wall of trust being built and then more progression. And it's, it's very interesting. You can see it forming and it's very nice to look at. Because it feels it's not to say that <laughs> it's not to say that their relationship is entirely healthy because oh, their yeah. circumstances <laughs> are not the best type of circumstances to grow close to someone with. Like if it takes brutally decapitating someone for you guys to even slightly <laughs> open up <laughs> and be like and have communication with one another where it's like still very one-sided, mm-hmm. then you might want to rethink where this relationship is headed. I know, mean, so saving your life is a big deal, and it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of violent, but also that could have been her. That would have been her with her head chopped off. So I yeah. think, you know, she, she beggars can't be chooses, you know. I know, I'm and just also, saying. I mean, no, you're completely right. Yeah, no, you not thank someone under those circumstances. Yes. Yeah, no, it's not exactly ideal, but there may, like, I will admit, though, 
the fact that it took um <laughs> him having to literally save her life from assassination <laughs> for her to even get the courage to thank him for something i hmm. y'all got too many walls y'all got too many <laughs> walls built up you need priorities yeah. magnificent hmm. well we wouldn't find the story compelling if they were just like healthy Lauren, healthy Kieran, just meeting, you know, on a nice sunny day with no issues, no trauma, no, no, no pressing problem. They're like, oh, hello. So nice to meet you. Oh, you're cute. You're cute. You're smart. You're smart. I like you. Let's be friends forever. Like that wouldn't be a very great story. <laughs> but then what's the intrigue of romance webtoons? Oh, um, well, I have my well. very strong theory about that, but <laughs> it's another tangent that we can't get into. <laughs> yes. Maybe later. So she says, thank you. And she says, I owe you my life. And Kieran has this like, oh, I love this battle so much. This is my the favorite. Genuine, the genuine shock. Oh, He's like surprised. How, he does, so like, how, does, how does he manage to look like so innocent in one panel and then like sly and smirky? And, then, and I was like, <laughs> this should not be possible. I can't believe this man has killed like hundreds of people. I know. I'm like, bruh, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that from these panels like he just looks like a like I think it's because his face is so open for once and like you can yeah. like see his like genuine emotions not him masking them with sarcasm and it's just I, I like to say that this is one of the three times in, especially in season one that you see him being genuinely open and himself and it's because Lauren has surprised him right because the first time you see it is when they're going to the Golden Clover and she's in her outfit and she's mm -hmm. got her gun and he's like looks at her and he's like because he's like oh I wasn't expecting her to go this into it <laughs> and now it's this one where she's just thanked him but instead of him just being pleasantly surprised him just genuinely shocked because like how Lauren doesn't want to acknowledge that a murderer saved her life he does when do you think is the last time that someone has thanked him for saving oh. a life hey he is probably never oh, bundan yeah. bundan when was the last time kieran got the chance to save someone's life that's all exactly true. yeah because like listen he's he's a killer he's he's a contract killer like i he ain't doing a bunch of saving lives so it's I don't know. I feel like it's kind of new for him to actually have the feeling of having saved someone and mm -hmm. not just taken life. And for it to be acknowledged. Wait. Fire. Abundant. Mindy, I'm not sure if you're into Marvel, but have you guys seen the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No. Oh, no. I'm okay, sorry. Basically... I haven't even seen WandaVision, man. I don't have I know. Okay. I only saw the first two episodes of WandaVision. It's a, okay, it's a very small moment, but one of the characters in the finale i hope this isn't like huge spoilers but like if there are any marvel fans listening to this they'll know what i'm talking about there's one scene where one of the characters who just so happened killed a lot of people that like which was out of his control someone thanks him for saving their lives and it's this one moment where he's a little dumbfounded and it breaks my heart oh, I, mean, I, I think I know I think I know who you're talking about too <laughs> oh that oh that would oh but yeah it's the same feeling all right can same I share feeling, this yeah. story? I don't know what you're talking about 
Just heartwarming feelings. It's what, it's what they deserve. Yes. So Kieran goes from that open expression and then the next panel is he has this little smile and it's probably what you said. Like this is the first time he's being thanked everything that you said for saving a life. And it's just so sweet to see that smile, like a real cute smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. But then within five seconds, <laughs> he turns that into his sarcasm nah. again. And he nah, puts on his charming smile. <laughs> and he says, and since you owe me your life, does that mean I can take you on as my personal servant until you repay your debt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he can't Cheering. acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah, that was man. No, it's he can't he can't be that vulnerable yet. He has to hide no. hide he, and sarcasm. He hides it behind something absolutely absurd. Conceal the feel. Yes. He wants the topic changed, that's why. Also, I just want to point out. So this huh? comes in this panel right here comes into a theory that I have that has yet to be proven wrong. So like okay, so you see the panel, he has like a giant chunk missing out of his shoulder, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So my theory, back in episode five, when you see like the chair scene and like someone's in the chair and they're getting tortured, like you can see there's blood coming out of their shoulder. You can see that clip. It is almost in the exact same place that Kieran has this scar. And I'm just like, boy. Okay. So it, I have yet to be proven wrong on this. Just, just um, keep it with you. I'm keeping it with me. It's a small thing, but I'm keeping it. Yeah, we have them. Um, there's other there's all other theories, which by the way could still fit in with that theory, but those are later on. So we're not gonna mention mm-hmm. them, but I can see actually them working together. Yeah, it's a theory that I've seen a lot of people like circulate, and I'm honestly totally on board. Isn't it nice when we're all on board? Indeed. It rarely happens. Yeah. Also, Bundan on the conceal don't feel comment. Yes. Don't tell me Kieran is an Elsa Kinney. <laughs> Never. Never. No. no. Like no. Elsa stuff is because of her parents and, and, and scared of her powers. Kieran is just that if he lets people in, then He's he can't break. do what he does. Because then it's a whole mess. Like, we're not going to get into that. We just know your boy has issues. There's a reason he does conceal, don't feel. <laughs> but he does sing Let It Go in the Shower. Yes. <laughs> He Aww. has an Elsa dress in his closet. Oh, it matches his eyes. It does. Yeah. It would bring out his eyes quite nicely. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, fan, fan artists, you have your directive. You have the him floor. A, I drew him in a Cinderella dress at one point. Like, I think I the like, kids' dress that you get at like, um, the Disney store and whatever. Oh, like a Halloween costume? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Ooh, is that online? Yeah, it's on my Instagram. Oh, okay. I'll go scroll back. <laughs> so, anywho, Lauren responds in kind. You know, he became sarcastic, she becomes sarcastic, and she just slaps him on his freshly damaged back. And she says, haha. And poor Kieran, he's just like, <laughs> pain. Oh, God. He had it coming. Literally, an I icon mean, yeah. serve from uh, Lauren. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he's in Spain minus the S. Yeah. <laughs> and then like he's she runs away and like she just like giggles she's like nice try subordinate and he's like trying to tap his back <laughs> poor guy he's like poor guy out of pain I feel so poor bad. guy was poor guy was not blessed with double jointed shoulders <laughs> oh 
We witnessed a murder. Comedy routine. <laughs> so, anywho, this <laughs> we now are with the purple hyacinth logo and um, fire dancer. I think you wanted to do the second part. Abundant. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we see. Okay, we pause the logo episode twenty-eight, and then we see Lauren holding a paper and then looking back, and she sees that Kieran is pulling off a shirt on. And their backs are to each other still. But then she kind of scrunches up the paper a bit and she says, when people lie, I can hear a change of pitch in their voice. Just like how most people can distinguish sarcasm, I can hear it even in the subtlest, I can hear it even hear it even in the subtlest of lies. And we see Kieran look over his shoulder at her, kind of looking like what kind of a, a blank but intrigued expression yeah. like intrigued but not overly in that like maybe a bit confused but or surprised but not as much as before mm-hmm. and lauren I'm continues so, oh oh sorry what do you want to say i just want to say it's also in the first two panels of this you can also see lauren struggling to open up as well because she has like she's scrunching the paper and she has like a very pained expression on her face you know, this, this kind of cuts back to the first time he asked her about how her ability works mm-hmm. before they went on their first, uh, on the Golden Clover mission, and she just was like, it just works, and she mm-hmm. didn't give him anything. But now this is kind of her offering more, because she's yeah. still feeling that gratitude, and she kind of is pushing Stand- herself to be a bit more open. Standing in olive branch. Mm-hmm. But I think something important we should know is, is that it's always Lauren being the one who like takes the first step communication wise like she's always the one reaching out it's not Kieran she's the one being open here she's the one thanking him um she's the one apologizing she's the one who's trying to like keep this relationship somewhat um passable (laughs) but Kieran doesn't like I'm not saying he should be held to the same standard because he obviously has his walls but Kieran like to his ability he doesn't open up as much as Lauren and while yes he does have that trauma which makes him not want to open up I think it's interesting how Lauren it finds it so much easier to be open with him than he does with her mm-hmm. I'm not surprised at all and I think you know you said it but you know when you when you contemplate the difference in their upbringing I think it's completely understandable and predictable because Lauren grew up in a very very healthy loving family until 12 so everything was completely wonderful to 12 and then even at 12, she lost her, her best friend and her parents. She had a loving uncle and she always had a normal world. You know, we don't know of any other trauma in her life besides for that. So, you know, she had mm-hmm. friends, she had community, she had presumably a larger extended family, plus a, a replacement parental figure. And Kieran, from we can kind of guess from a very, very young age, his entire world, and we don't even know what it was like before when he was younger, but we do know that he had a very traumatic and violent um upbringing from a pretty young age. And at, at some point he was, became completely isolated and doesn't have any support system, probably from a pretty young age. So it's not surprising at all that he doesn't, can't trust people because he's just had to be alone. And his circumstances are much worse than Lauren's too. You know, if Lauren decided today to, you know, break off this deal, she would just go back to her normal life. She doesn't suffer consequences. She has no danger in her life but Kieran he's cursed he has no options he knows that it's either kill or be killed and he whatever end he whatever he does he's going to be an early end so 
it's completely unsurprising well, that he doesn't, he can't open up yet. Well, no, it's more because we, all four of us agreed that we want Lockie to have a healthy relationship, right? But in a healthy relationship, you need an open dialogue from both characters. And while I don't expect Kieran to really talk about anything much or like just share what he's doing in general with Lauren at this point of the comic, I think just to where the point we are currently, which is kind of spoilers, but not really, to the point where we are currently, I think it's just we haven't seen much willingness like just generally we we don't see much willingness from mm-hmm. Kieran to really open up about issues mm-hmm. and but, I think that, well, there was even a recent yeah. chapter there was a recent chapter where mm-hmm. another character told Lauren more about Kieran than Kieran has really ever told himself about Lauren and well yes it is in character and I would totally expect Kieran to act like this I don't want him to act like this forever because if we want Loon to work and if we want um, Lockie to actually be progressive in the relationship, they can't just move past um, what happens between them and both of them like not address it. One person can address it, but the other person needs to address it at some point too for them to actually work things out. So if we want Loon to be successful, Kieran is going to have to open up at some point and be willing and make efforts to um, have an open dialogue with Lauren. However, um, if he doesn't, then Loon is going to fail. Yeah, yeah, no, I 100% agree because it is understandable why he wouldn't open up like as readily as Lauren. I say readily loosely, but... Um, <laughs> as much as Lauren would off the bat or even like at this point because again upbringing it's also like part of his job where it's like you don't open up to people because like first off secrets secondly why would you do that that's just weakness and but I do agree that in the long run he's going to have to open up because otherwise it's not going to work their partnership yeah. isn't going to work their relationship isn't going to work so while it's understandable that he does have walls that are I'd say a bit tougher than Lauren's they need to come down at some point yeah no I I kind of see it as more one completely narratively it makes sense why we don't know yet because his backstory is kind of something that's being built up to mm-hmm. because he's not the character we're in the head of the most that's Lauren Lauren is the main character but mm-hmm. he's probably like the second main character and we do see things from his perspective at times but we don't have a lot of context so that is a way to kind of build narrative tension and to build anticipation for us to see what well what got us here but also remember in the scene where they're dancing and he says that he did a background check on her and Lauren was like I do not want to know anything so in a way, him being surprised right now could be him just being like, oh, are we sharing stuff now? <laughs> oh, thought we were going to do that, but okay, I was curious about this. But also we know that Kieran isn't, yeah, like you guys said, he's a very closed book that doesn't want to be open, but he will be. Just, mm-hmm. just, just not now. He will be. Because we have seen him in future episodes, at least at one point, like 
reach out first, albeit he he would have definitely had to been the one to reach out first. Yeah. <laughs> but he did do that, which, yay. Yeah, but I think um, just at the point where we are now in the series, I don't think Loon can go back to being all right. In like, the comic is going to say, like, oh, hey, the, like, Loon's doing great, but I don't think that Loon will actually ever um, be completely stable until Kieran opens up. Oh, yeah. Like, they can be there. They can exist. But it's not going to be a great relationship, even if the comic tells us it's going to be a great re- relationship and that everything is fixed and they're going to fix everything and they're going to save the city and take down the leader. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably do that. But realistically, they're going to have a horrible, horrible time doing it. Yeah, no. If they, if they want to do it as effectively and efficiently as they could, they're going to have to trust each other. And that means opening up to one another. <laughs> Which... I think, I think it also... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, it, it's just, yeah. Because Lauren definitely has opened up more to Kieran and then Kieran I feel like at least future tense in this point in the story now is about the time where he should probably start opening up to Lauren I think how what plays out depends on what the author's intentions are Mm -hmm. so you know if they want Kieran to have a redemptive arc then he will start opening up and do his healing but if if Kieran's ending is supposed to be a tragedy then we may not ever get to see that. So, and I know um, for me, one of my favorite things to observe in storytelling is, you know, to see whether the characters reach, you know, whether their arc goes like up or down. Like, do they, do they heal and, you know, improve their life by overcoming their, you know, personal issues? Or do they persist in, in keeping their, never solving their issues? And then does that bring to their own downfall? So I think it really depends on what they plan for him as a character. Like, do it, is it going to be happy ending ish, or is it going to be a tragedy? Mm-hmm. You guys think Kieran will die at the end? I don't want him to, but I have a strong suspicion. I I can't see him dying at all. I would be really disappointed if he did. Like, of course, really? I would be sad, but like from narratively, I would be more disappointed. Really? Why? Well, because Purple Hyacinth is about forgiveness, right? That is what the flower is. The purple hyacinth represents forgiveness. And what we see with Kieran is that his storyline is basically you can be a you can do bad things but still be a good person because there's just so many moral complexities to situations that you cannot just label someone as bad or good. And I don't know if it's been mentioned yet in the story, but there is the looming presence of the death penalty in this comic. And that is a very big theme that we um, eventually see come into more realization as the story progresses. And a lot of times in stories like these with characters like Kieran, we see death as either redemption or punishment. But, and I think for Kieran, he's more likely to go with the death is, uh, redemption uh, pathway however is 
that really a good trope? Is that what we want to teach people that the only way that you can be free from your sins is to die? Because there are, because if you die to redeem yourself, then you aren't able to make the proper reparations to the people that you have hurt. If you die as a punishment, which is, you know, death penalty, um, again, that just plays into the issue of death penalty, which I could go on very long. I'm not sure if you guys want to hear it, but basically to me, um, death is just not an appropriate punishment for serious crime because oftentimes when you jail someone or you put them to death, you're trying to prevent another loss of life because they might be too dangerous. So deterrence, but by trying to prevent more loss of life, you are in, you are in effect causing more loss of life, which is ironic in the death penalty. So either Kieran is killed off as punishment for what he has done, which is doubtful because Kieran isn't really responsible for all the murders he's committed, or he's killed as redemption, which isn't a great fate because it's an easy way out for the character as he doesn't have to put in the actual work and effort to properly redeem himself in the eyes of the public and probably the audience like because you know again he needs to make reparations and he needs to go to the victim's families and um you know make those reparations and make those efforts to be a better person and i think also it's um it's not just hard for, you know, you were saying it's the easy way out. It's not just hard in terms of making reparations to the parent, to people. I think it's probably hard for him to live with himself. And I definitely see, I can see someone like him taking, you know, like a self-sacrifice as the easy way out because he just finds the idea of living with himself hard, harder. Um, I, I definitely think that he's someone who doesn't like himself and mm -hmm. for him to look at himself in the mirror every day, I mean, as we'll see throughout the comic is probably torturous. So, you know, we can only hope he has the strength to to keep on living. I mean, we want him to, right? But that is, in turn, the thing. Because if Kieran gives in to that doubt and he gives in to that hatred of himself and just um, that sadness that he carries with him, if he gives in to that, and that is how our story ends, our character that has just our character with a troubled past who was abused tortured forced to commit horrible things that were out of his control if we end the story with him giving up what message does that send to the audience mm -hmm. but i could also argue I do, I do see your point about what message would that send, but I could also argue that it is a, it is also a tragically human flaw, not flaw, but like a tragically human fate, where if, like, if you had done all the things that he did and had to live with yourself, I would perfectly understand just not wanting to live with yourself anymore because that is it's hard a deep mental hard. toll yeah it, it's, is. it is a yeah. giant mental toll and it is just 
it's sadly human to just give up. Yes, and that is human in that that's true but that's not how you want to end what probably will be a hopeful story just telling from the way ph has been going i mean I, depending I think on how it is it could be bittersweet which yeah i see it bittersweet own... but i see it being hopeful and i don't think that a character effectively killing themselves is the way you want to end a story about forgiveness because when you forgive someone for their actions that person also has to learn to forgive themselves and that is Karen's character arc so just telling the audience that the only option and that the only ending ends with death then that's not really a great story I mean it's also it's like you have other characters as well that have arcs that are similar that can show the different breaths and widths of that type of thing so it's just mm-hmm. the yeah. variety of it I don't think it yeah. has any obligation to be anything more than it is yeah because that I, makes sense yeah because mm-hmm. I think if you have more than one character going through similar things they're not going to pick the same path it's one could go a completely opposite direction as the other and that is that's the way humans are and that's like the point with like parallel characters you know you'll be able to see what the other just, option was yeah what like and it's not even options it might not even be something that's consciously chosen just yeah. kind of where the situations end up so yeah. it, I don't know I don't like to think too hard about how it ends because that sets expectations that yeah. I don't want to be disappointed by because that has happened to me in my previous um fandoms so I kind of just like to speculate but not think too hard on it just be taken on the journey and take it for what it is and not be too critical because at the end of the day it's entertainment yeah at the end of the day I just want it to be a good story you know I find it fascinating that we're discussing this and I think that everything y'all have said is fantastic and I thought about this a lot because I also want to write stories and one of, um, one of the most influential ideas that I have in my head in terms of framing a story is the concept of foil, where you have two people who have either a similar personality or a similar experience and they choose different paths and they, you know, that difference highlights, uh, they're highlighted by each other. And a very skillful use of this was in John Steinbeck's East of Eden. Mm. And I don't know, have you guys read it? No, but my friend mm-hmm. just told me about another friend of hers who just read that book today. So that's really yeah. funny. So the main, basically what happens there is you have, it's, it's kind of a, a modern retelling of the story of Cain and Abel or the concept of Cain and Abel. And you have two brothers, it's several sets of brothers and they each have a different personality. And, and uh, one of them is kind of like a good brother, one of them is a bad brother. And then in the first set, they, the bad brother chooses a bad press and he just, he doesn't control himself. He is completely dissolute. He hates himself. He hates his life. He makes bad choices. He's a horrible person. And then, then you have like a foil to that. You have another set of brothers where, again, temperamentally, one of them is more inclined to be good. And the other one has struggles with like anger issues and self-control and things like that. And basically the book ends, the main thesis of the book, and it, it centers around like a specific verse where it's humans have free choice and you can choose to be good and you can choose to be bad. And it ends with the second set, the second set of brothers where the second one basically chooses to work on himself and to go down the good path. So you have both of those in the story. You have the person who went down the bad path because he couldn't stop himself, couldn't, didn't, which is like a, you know, means 
thesis there. And then you have the second set. So for me, I like that because you have both the realistic side because sadly you look around and the world is filled with people who can't, can't or don't, you know, that's a, a good question, um, change their path. Then you have people who do, can overcome similar struggles and can become better. So I know for myself, when I want to write things, I always want to have both of that because I don't want to deny, you know, my friends accuse me of being like a Pollyanna. Like I'm, I'm very optimistic personally. And um, I don't want to deny the, the realities that exist and the tragedies that exist in human life. So I want to have both. But I also, like you said, food, I want people to have an optimistic message and to say, hey, I could work on myself. I could have a better life. So I want to have both in my, in my stories. Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't want Kieran to die. I hope he doesn't yeah. die. I feel like there is a very intelligent way that it could be written where he doesn't die because a lot of people expect it. And I would mm. like to have that, that and have it be satisfying. But if it's like a deus ex machina at the end, oh, I yeah. think I'll be a bit annoyed. But that's just me and me not enjoying deus ex machinas. <laughs> True. Yeah, because like at the end of the day, if there's a way for him to live, I will take it any day. <laughs> Because, like, as much as I harp on him dying, I don't want him to. Because, like, he's my boy. But, like, I can very easily see a path where he bites the dust and I will still cry. So, it depends. I think, though, again, PH is about healing. That is, like in Soph's own words, PH is about healing and healing isn't giving up. Healing is overcoming your struggles no matter how hard they are and how hard the path forward is. Healing is making reparations. Healing is forgiveness. Healing is, um, it is trying to be a better person and moving past past experiences. And so if purple hyacinth is dedicated to that message of that things will get better and that you can be better and that your action your past actions don't define you especially actions that um that you had no control over if ph is dedicated to that message then i can't see kieran dying because that would just be contradictory Let's pray for like F to work her magic to yes. <laughs> when she's writing it. We will see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Great discussion. Um, yeah. Let's, okay. Let's we haven't even uh, we haven't even gotten to the middle yet. Yeah. Anyway, so, I think that, I mean I think this is I think that was a fantastic discussion, like foundational oh, yeah. for both mm -hmm. the story and honestly for life in general. So, mm -hmm. You know, it's good to discuss it. these things. Yeah, different perspectives. Oh yeah. Um. Okay, so I ended with, I get to hear it even in the subtlest of lies, but catching the lie doesn't tell me the truth behind it. Sometimes lies conceal too many, sometimes lies conceal too many possibilities. Then it cuts back to Lauren looking down at the paper in her hands and she says, and I can only hear it if someone says something they don't actually believe. If they truly believe something that's objectively false, it'll sound true to me. And then it cuts to Kieran looking at her again and looking actually intrigued right now. And he says, interesting, fascinating, actually. And you always and you've always had disability. And then Lauren, still looking down at her paper, says, for as long as I can remember, yes. And then we see like this is written in italics. 
It says, why reveal that to me now? And then Lauren looks up from the paper and says, why did you save me? Also in oh. italics. And then she turns to face him. <laughs> so good. Oh, they're, so they're, good. At a stand, they're at a standoff. Parallelism. Mm. Yeah, they're literally standoff. Suddenly everything around him is black with stars and oh, it's so good. It's good to like get the information about how Lauren hears the lies though. Because yes. yeah, it makes yeah. sense because if someone says something that they believe that is false, then it would sound like a lie, I guess. Because mm -hmm. if um, someone believes, it, it's all about personal belief, which yeah. I think makes sense. Yeah, I remember reading this for the first time and being like, yes, finally. Because we actually get like some development with Lauren on, mm -hmm. um, on like, oh my god, just brain farted. Okay, on like how her ability works, and I feel like we needed that moment of like getting uh, or like learning about how her ability works, since like it's so fundamental to the comic, and yet we still at this point had only really known the basics of it. Like, oh hey, they're lying. Um, she knows when they're lying, but you know she answered a lot of questions here. Mm -hmm. yeah because it's like up until this point it's just been like like you know because you just know like like it's very badass what she does but at the same time it's kind of just like but how does that work exactly what it, what are the flaws what are the strengths of it we, like mm -hmm. it's good Bundin. that we have this information but then if you think about it it's kind of like a deus ex machina it's not a deus ex machina <laughs> because this deus ex machina happens at the end of the story or at least uh like the end of an arc or climax of an arc where it's just something that happens that's not like set up for in the world right because like you could have something that happens but if it's set up it's, it's all about the setup we already know that she can hear lies so it's just hearing how it works <laughs> that is that's what we need but i like her ability to hear lies is woven into the story that's like the crux mm -hmm. of it almost so I like learning how it works is just a part of world building and her telling here and and by proxy telling us is a great way of exposition because we don't have a lot of characters explaining a giant thing because y'all know I love the visual storytelling and this is a visual medium so having that is great but some you do need to have dialogues explaining things sometimes in order to learn more about the world so mm -hmm. I think this is a really organic way to do it because it's still early enough in the story that it's it's not like you've been waiting to hear how it happened but it's still like kind of something you've been waiting to get confirmation about so good timing for it and well done oh yeah what I'm also wondering is does anyone else in PH have powers because well, that's the big it's, question. That's yeah, the big because question. the the lying ability is just so unique to a story like this. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever had a story where the main character's superpower was they could tell lies. But like, so now I'm wondering, because this is such a rare and just unique occurrence, are superpowers or just special abilities because not necessarily superpowers are special abilities common in this world are there other people like lauren or is it just her uh, uh, it's just her because otherwise people would believe her or like her uncle would believe her or yeah, i think it would yeah. come up in the story yeah i feel like, like if is it just I feel such like, a small few yeah i feel like if it 
yeah I feel like if it was common like they would be inclined to believe her but I feel like it's a very uncommon thing if very rare yeah I'm not saying it's like you know every random person on the street has it but like are there other people out there like Lauren I mean, the creators have been notoriously tight-lipped about that. They, they don't outright deny it, but they don't. Mm. They're just kind of just like, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Which, you know, I prefer. Mm-hmm. Give, us a, give us a bit of suspense, but um, I feel like it opens up the possibility to it, and we just kind of have to see if we can get any clues about that going forward, reading mm. and everything. Yeah. And we, like she said, um, she's had this ability for as long as she can remember that doesn't mean she's always had it it just could be that she got it when she was young maybe she was born with it maybe not so again as we learn more we'll get more but I, I'd like to think there's maybe like a couple more people in this world that have it but that also depends mm-hmm. on how she got the power again born with it or received it somehow mm-hmm. genetics <laughs> genetics man mm-hmm. okay so we have them oh do you want to say something Mindy? so they're facing off again let us acknowledge the beautiful art in this arc because their faces are so well done with the lighting and the eyes their eyes both look just uh, almost cat-like just like reflective yeah this is some of my favorite art in the whole thing you know kieran's taking it back and she's standing firm like she's not going to back down oh Mm -hmm. And so then it cuts to Kieran and he kind of looks a bit more serious. He kind of turns to the side, looks to the side and he says, well, if you died, I'd be back to square one, wouldn't I? I need our partnership for my little vendetta as much as you do for yours. And he didn't lie about those. Those are all truths. But But is it the whole truth? (laughs) Because she just said the truth does not mean that it's like the lies can hide certain truths or there could be too many possibilities. So that has to work for truths as well because something can be true but it's not the whole truth yeah because we find out down the line this man lives in half truths like <laughs> what the hell reason number like i don't know at this point in the millions why i don't trust this man <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got their secrets Okay, then it cuts back to Lauren staring at him, but she's kind of smiling this time. And she says, indeed, you'd do a terrible job interrogating criminals without my help. And then he kind of folds his arms and he kind of has an amused expression. And he's like, oi, you wouldn't even know who to question if the, in the first place without me. So just getting some banter again. Mm-hmm. A lot more lighthearted mood. And... So she it's, says, um, we switch over at this point? Um, yeah, we can. Yeah, we, I can do that now. It's fine. Close oh. into your own quick. So yeah. All right. So she then says, I know we have a rule, but I wonder why do you value not killing without orders so much? Which is a question I feel like we all have been wondering. Also, can we just say, I know we have a rule, but... But? This is the first of many buts that should have been addressed, Lauren. Also, you could kind of, I don't know, like, this is kind of the vibe I get. We just talked about her kind of opening up to him. 
Mm-hmm. I think she's trying to use that to get more out of him now. Yeah. She's like, I know we have a rule, but she's like, I gave you, you know. something. You wanna? You want it? Want to share with the class? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, she turns her eyes and then she says, "Considering the reputation you have," and then it's kind of the color kind of drains from the panel and just like he starts frowning. It's all backlit. Yeah, it's all backlit and dark. And it's like the color kind of just drains from his face as well as all the humor. I feel like he he has this bitterness again because he's Mm. being thrust back into like that self-hatred and a reminder of who he is. Mm. I feel so bad for him. I know. It's, yeah, I agree. It's the very bitter frown that he has. He just says, when you lead a life such as mine you need to abide by strong rules and never let go of them otherwise you'll lose sight of who you are this face oh the face like it's look it it just looks like he aged 10 years there he just looks tired and mad Mm. and just he looks like he's not being threatening to her but he's just kind of thinking of dark things he looks like he's not like mentally in a darker place now yeah yeah and then, well done so well portrayed it is so well done and i it's the line where it says you abide by strong rules and if you let go of them you'll lose sight of who you are uh, i just kind of think will we either see him or someone else related like someone else kind of let go of their rules at some point I I don't know it just seems foreboding to me and then you can see in the next panel he looks away from her and just all he has dead eyes as I say it just all light is gone from his eyes and then he hurt you who hurt you (laughs) him And so many people. Specifically, I need names for reasons. It's a long <laughs> list. I started when I was born. <laughs> when my parents built to show up to my own birth. <laughs> Is he doofenshmirtz now? I know that reference. Oh my god. My parents didn't even show up to my birth. <laughs> <laughs> Poor lad has had it so rough. Maybe, Bundan. I'm so glad you got the reference. <laughs> yeah. Just remember, Doofenshmirtz grew up to be a great dad. Hey. hey. His daughter was my bioawakening. <laughs> I feel that. Just, all right. And then after you see all the light has gone from his face, he then says, and by the time you realize it, it'll be too late. She then turns back to him and says, and those purple hyacinths you leave behind, what do they mean? Obviously they're a threat, but that's not all. And you can, it's a close-up of his hand and you can just kind of see he's like, I think trying to like dig his nails into his palm. Like, you know that scene in Pride and Prejudice after he helps her into the camp, Yeah. then he's walking he's away. Just, he's just like, like, oh. Yeah, it's that, but not, not not romantic no it's that but not happy feelings 
Also, I like the fact that she's asking about the purple hyacinths because even when she first finds out his identity at that crime scene, mm. she's she just contemplates. She's like, maybe they're an apology. Yeah. As we all know, purple hyacinths are a symbol of regret and mourning and uh, are considered a, a symbol of apology. So she's kind of had that idea at the back of her head literally since the night she met him. Mm. And she's kind of curious about that now because she feels like there's more than one meaning to it as we all do mm-hmm. and she's yeah. seeing the human side of him now she's seeing the good side of him <laughs> so you know there's she kind of wants to verify there. that <laughs> it's like oh my god you are human right and then yeah he kind of digs his nails into his palm and then like let's go of it and he says, in italics, the hyacinths represent the royal crest. Isn't the message clear enough? He says that with Would like you... a really, the expression in his face, I don't know how quite to describe it. but Menacing. Like, menacing. Yeah, it's a mask and also a little bit like, yeah, it's, uh, it just scary. makes me, yeah, it just makes me sad when I see this panel because it's like, you can immediately just see he shut down. He like any I mean, any progress he he made in opening up just like it's gone. I think he's overcompensating, which is why he you know the whole the, the italics and the opening up the hand. He's like, okay, I, I I was tense, I was tense, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go act again. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna be dramatic, right? He goes back to he reverts back to like you said the mask. So he opens up his hand and you know emphasizes his words and says something that is while not a lie again you know it's just the version he wants to put forth mm-hmm. and his wording is interesting because right. lauren <laughs> asks him and those purple hyacinths you leave behind what do they mean obviously they're a threat but that's not all and kieran he doesn't say the purple hyacinths represent blank he says the hyacinths represent the royal crest which is a which is a fact um, in the world of PH, uh, purple hyacinths are the are the like national flower or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're on the crest and, of the family, and they like are, a symbol. Yeah. They're yeah. on the crest yeah. along with the stag. And so he says, "Isn't the message clear enough? Not that like the message is clear, or that is supposed to be the message, which would be <laughs> lies in that case." I'm, I'm just sorry. I just realized because it's like the stag is also a symbol. I'm just thinking if it really was just about murdering and being threatening to the, the world deer. Have, like a dead stag <laughs> he just carries oh, like he just carries, just carries a deer with deer him. eggs like, oh the, you're, just saying, you're just saying like antlers at this at the scene yeah. of every crime scene oh my god like, like instead that of scene a katana, in the godfather where the, the horse head in the bed it's just a stag it's like, like oh god the stag is back at it again <laughs> instead of like carrying a katana he just stabs people with like antlers you're totally right his freezing is really um evasive right he doesn't say you know isn't you know like instead of saying um yeah this is the message i want to send he's like isn't the message clear enough? Yeah. yeah he's deliberate with his word choice yeah it's it's very interesting because at the same time he words it so specifically but very vague in the grand sense but also Lauren's question was 
I'm guessing not exactly how she meant it because she asked yeah because it's like she asked what do they mean but she didn't ask what they mean to you Mm -hmm. but also he's kind of he's he's making a statement about things that are true because they could have multiple meanings because that are probably a threat to the royalty but that's probably not their primary meaning yeah but it was probably just an added bonus there's a story behind that we we, we get that scene it's gonna it's gonna hurt oh it's gonna hurt so much yeah so i just oh i find it interesting (laughs) that he's not being specific to himself but also the Mm. question wasn't specific to him so also he can get away with it she just told him how her thing works so he's 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 set for life on how to avoid her questions he's like okay i already took note about how to not how to not so let's Mm -hmm. let's Let's use that now. Great timing. Thank you for telling me that right before this. I can't believe this man wiggled out of like being honest. Wow. Like <laughs> he's, if he's he honest, her, the he tricked her into me. letting him always be telling the truth, even when it's not the truth. Like, damn. Okay. The mental remember. gymnastics that this man the goes through. The mask isn't just for her benefit; it's for his as well. Because if he acknowledges it himself, how will he live with himself? Mm-mm. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, when the mask like, is for as much for him, it's arguably more for him yeah. than it is for anybody else. For everybody else, it's more of a shield to keep people out of it and yeah. to kind of keep the image. Because if other people begin to see that he's just a person, then he can't fit that into his mental image of himself and how he can mm-hmm. live with himself, at least for now. Yeah, because yeah. if he let at this double point, homicide. He, double homicide. Oh, God. No, because if he lets the mask down for even a, like a second, it's he's gonna break. Because like you can kind of see it throughout the comic. If he is like one be- like one instance away from a mental breakdown, like if he lets that down, he is going to break. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness, I oh it's well the denial story. for me. <laughs> Also, after the next line, um, like what a super question line, I have a thought and it's kind of funny and I think you guys might want to hear it. Mm-hmm. All right, then let me, let me get to that then. Um, he then says, it's always been an explicit threat to the royals. One of the many, one of the many that the Phantom Scythe constantly sends out. What a stupid question to ask, off- what a stupid question to ask officer. I thought the police already knew that much. Okay, y'all want to hear my theory or just my thought? Go for Basically, it. isn't it weird how everyone in the APD just assumes that the Purple Hyacinths are a threat to the royals? Like, how many people are in the APD and how many of them all think that the flowers are a threat? Because yes, they are on the royal crest. How many of them are a little fruity and know the meaning of flowers like <laughs> I mean I also kind of think of it like I don't know if the U.S. has like a very well-known national flower but a lot of countries mm. have like the flowers are symbols like our national flower if someone kept murdering people that were in in like government positions and like stuff like that or like helping the police with corruption or whatever and they were leaving our national flower at those places my first thought would be, oh, that's a threat to the government. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, yeah. But these are the APD. They are supposed to be 
detect or some of them are supposed True. to be detectives. Do you think they never like in the seven years that the Purple Hyacinth was active? Do you think they never even considered it? Like not one of them. No, I mean, I mean, okay. I wonder what the meaning of flowers are, especially since we grew up with this flower our <laughs> entire lives. And do you think there's not one florist out there who is writing listen. like Purple Hyacinth fanfic <laughs> because? They think that this guy regrets his actions and no. then Loki is sent for it. Oh no. Not the self-inserted fanfic. No. <laughs> like I to the um APD's uh not not questioning if it is just a threat to the rose. I think we've established at this point the APD are a bunch of bumbling idiots remember they've got people in the apd too they want to set the narrative yes they want to set the narrative so i feel like since they got so many spies in the apd it's just they are regurgitating what the phantom scythe wants so that everyone will go along with this idea so it's like yeah that makes sense that makes perfect sense it's just a threat to the royals it's why why would there be any other reason reason to question because other than the flowers themselves there's no evidence that he shows any remorse at all. Mm-hmm. This is honestly, this is why Art Holliston's accessible free education for all of its citizens. Because some of them clearly would have never passed the first grade. I mean, the timing of this is like in terms of like the, the latest, this is the, the 1940s inspiration yeah. up to the 1800s. So I doubt that there's universal free education yet. Rip. <laughs> Rip. I mean, Bundan, later episodes. What? They say something about free education in later episodes. They do. They do? Bundan, you think is I that... wouldn't be caught up on all the socialist themes is in this class? Oh, goodness. Fluke. It's not fast pass. Don't okay. Worry. Are you just. Yeah. Mm, I, well, I, think I, I, I think I might know. I live in a country that provides universal free healthcare up to university, so. But you know, that depends on how the economy is, but that's a whole nother thing. But yeah. Yeah. How much stock do you think Cartalos lost because of the Phantom site? <laughs> and then, like, you know, the Allendale train no. station? Like, how much tourism did they lose each year because of all yeah. the murders? What even is the Cartalos economy like? Like, I had this conversation, like, two weeks i just joined the like discord server and we were like what is the economy like in our is like how badly must it be because like are they bankers i guess do they produce any like materials because it's a city i mean there is there are a factories. greater kingdom yeah there are factories but i don't know it, if you knew that yet you know we know now that it's like it's the capital of a greater kingdom it's like the same name kind of like how like mexico has mexico mm-hmm. city yeah it's like that but yeah, I don't so know. we like, don't know the size of it. I guess we might learn that later. Um, I really hope we do. It's gonna add so much to the world building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, let's. We derailed. <laughs> yeah, we. Have- yeah. <laughs> Getting off topic. It's all right. It happens. Let's move. All right. So after he says, "It's one of the one that many of the fans and size constantly sends out." What a stupid question to ask. What a stupid question to ask, officer. I thought the police already knew that much. And then that is, after he puts, that is the redirecting, redirecting 
to an insult so that she'll change the topic. Because he clearly does not want to talk about it anymore. And then he said, let's get started on this file on Ned Colden. We've got a lot of stuff to cover regarding what Lexley revealed tonight. And then she's just kind of looking up at him, just kind of like, mm, sus. She looking sus. And then she's thinking to herself, he's not lying, but is this really the whole truth? And you can just see him, um, you don't see his face, you just see him like looking down, kind of like his shoulders are dropped and it's just like, he looks wilted. That's what he looks like, he looks wilted. He's an enigma, it's the symbolism. Oh. <laughs> So then that cuts to a black that. screen, and then it's on you. Okay. Well, sorry, we just—I lost my place. I was looking at the previous comic, so Lauren. I just want to say that Lauren—he's not lying, but is this really the whole truth? She's she's dead on to that because, like, oh yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she started suspecting that Kieran asked her how the ability works so he would be able to like skirt around that. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah, because she was a detective. So very, very good uh, observation skills. Mm -hmm. So when she says, is this really the whole truth? We get a flashback and we get this dialogue bubble that says, you were that boy and then slash and we see a streak of blood across the screen and then we see footsteps and their boots and we see the chandelier and it's illuminated um, by some backlight in a window. We see a body being dragged and then something hanging from the ceiling and it's a very tall room. It's, a, it's very dark, but the windows are blinding. And yeah, we see someone dragging a bleeding corpse, which is, you know, just regular Tuesday evening, you know. Also, no this, is, this, this is a throwback to that flashback we had when Kieran was in the bar going to report mm -hmm. those two kills. We saw him talking to a, a man who also said, you were that boy, and then him presumably killing him. So now we know where that went. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that escalated quickly. And then we see um, this boy and his face is covered in darkness. So we can't really see his eyes, but he is again, the windows behind him are illuminated. And then we see also, his, his face. hair is shorter. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> seem to be in a bun yet. Um, we see his face, his face is splattered with blood and it goes down to his chest and his eyes are just dead there is no life to them back at it again with the dead eyes hey i back kind of again at crispy Kreme. <laughs> just kill the dude <laughs> i tend to think here a little bit that i feel like maybe kieran tends to like disassociate a little bit like during the moments where he has like dead eyes it's like I feel like it could very easily be a coping mechanism for him to just kind of like, I ain't here, no one's home. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that does happen often um, when someone is going through something traumatic. Mm-hmm. They kind of describe it like your your mind is floated away from your body. Yeah. And it's kind of, you're doing things, but you're not consciously doing them. And it is a way for you to kind of process a traumatic event or like in the middle of an event, it's, it's kind of like a shield for your psyche almost. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's very far off to say that he spaces out during these times mm-hmm. yeah I couldn't have said it better and so the next panel we get is this man um hanging from the chandelier this corpse and he's his blood is just dripping onto the floor which is reflecting again the windows and it's a beautiful panel like it's gruesome But I might have included it in my collection of pH panels I would use to get people to read pH. (laughs) The composition itself, it's like, it's the symmetry, the lighting. Again, it's like backlighting. Mm -hmm. This corpse, it's it's very macabre, this kind of image of Mm -hmm. a, a hanged man dripping blood onto the floor. But it's a beautiful area. Like this place is a beautiful building with shiny floors mm-hmm. and high vaulted ceilings and a chandelier and it's just so pretty and then mm-hmm. uh, just yes. cinematic and atmospheric mm-hmm. why do mm-hmm. I have a sudden urge because the way it's composed it is composed so beautifully and so like perfectly for what I am gonna say like I almost want to put this as like a phone back sc- background because it's like it works so well do the way them. I might have had it as a phone background but don't remember having it as a phone background scares me like I might have had this as a background of my phone all here at some point <laughs> because it is genuinely it is one of my favorite panels of this entire comic and I don't think we talk about it enough true yeah so, but we talk about chandelier man yeah we talk about him a lot so as yeah, we yeah. scroll down this composition just works beautifully as we scroll down we see the blood dripping down and it just works the movement works and then it's dripping onto a hyacinth a purple hyacinth of that and this hyacinth is just laying in a pool of blood wow perfection mm-hmm. and that is how the episode ends mm-hmm. uh the creator's note though i'm going i'm gonna swing from the no, chandelier no, from the no, chandelier <laughs> doesn't exist wait wait hold up yeah it's something before we end this um because i feel like i heard something about the chandelier song and now i'm a little scared i'm gonna fact check it real quick oh goodness while you're doing that i will say this episode right here has one of my favorite tracks it Mm. is like blurry blurry line is chef's kiss perfection it is it captures the emotions of just i'd say just despair and like it's very melancholy and it is oh you can feel the conflicted emotions in it and it's very nice the way that my computer has been playing the music oh, rip Mm-mm. Huh. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is the flashback that he's thinking of when she asks him, why do you leave the purple hyacinths? So, you know, you can, we can kind of speculate that this is maybe the first time he, he started leaving the purple hyacinths, and this is why he flashes back to this memory. 
Uh, and then also the fact that this is something that we've seen now twice in the series we know that this is a big deal for him whatever happened here with this man and this man's murder deeply affected him to the point that when he thinks about the reason why he does things and the reason why he is the way he is he thinks back to this scene to this moment in his life so I just want to know I just want to know like you can like it's kind of obvious like what prompted him to use the hyacinths like as an apology but I just want to know like did he just like think of this as he was going to kill this person because like if the theory like at this point like a bunch of people like theorized or it's just like oh is this like either a really important kill or maybe his first kill if it was his first kill like did he pre like premeditate that where it's just like I'm gonna bring a hyacinth with me and it's all going to be good. Or did he just find one? And it's just like, this works. I have a personal theory that he grew up in or around a flower shop. Just, that's just a personal thing. Oh my I God, don't know. Parents were florists. Hmm? His parents were florists. Yeah, yeah, or like something like that. I don't know. Like, he knows, to, like, I don't know. I feel like there has to be something there. Because kids don't, I mean, other than your boy, this is a, a later thing, but there is another character we see later who knows about a lot of the meanings of flowers. Ooh, or and maybe. that was because they grew up in an environment where that would be understandable. So I think that that can apply or it's something to like, oh, there's, there's possibilities. Mm-hmm. Or maybe when he was younger, he would go to like a flower shop and just draw. Oh, that's something. Okay, I found what I was looking for. So, I, okay, I'm looking at this um, lyric analysis of Chandelier, and the blog I'm referencing is, I think it's the blog, it's called amindformadness.com, um, and I'm just basically um, summarizing it. It's The song is about an addict who uses alcohol in a suit, like I'm quoting them, this girl uses alcohol in a severely unhealthy way to numb her feelings. She gives the impression of going out and having fun, but she is depressed and probably dependent on alcohol to numb her emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then for the other half of the chorus, but I'm holding on for dear life, won't look down, won't open my eyes, keep my glass full until morning light because I'm just holding on for tonight. Now swinging from the chandelier has a double meaning. It is symbolic of living an unconventional free life to the fullest here it seems to be symbolic of near catastrophe she is barely holding on she can't even look at what she is doing oh goodness reading further into this i'm just leaning on to tonight is carefully worded on one hand it can mean she is holding on for the night she will make it through the darker interpretation Mm. is that she will only hold on for tonight right once the night is over she will let go into death this isn't as impossible as it sounds if we think back to the alcohol references it's possible she's trying to overdose she's swinging from the chandelier as a cry for help people Mm. tend not to think of alcohol as a dangerous drug but people die from it all the time the way sia says in the sentence i'm just holding on for tonight over and over at the end of the song implies this dark interpretation Mm. um so in the second verse um sun is up i'm a mess gotta get out now gotta run from this here comes the shame here comes the shame um the night was not a fun party at all she's ashamed of the act she performed and wants to run away from it which again applies to karen and then it cycles back into one two three drink you could try to argue that this is how the song how songs work 
there are verses and courses. You shouldn't interpret them as real form and in, in real life cycle because all songs have a um, cyclic form. Here, I think it's justified. She wants to get rid of the shame and her coping, coping mechanism is to drink. So she starts throwing them back to forget and become happy and carefree again. This is, um, yeah, I'm going to scroll down a bit more and then, okay, I'll reiterate here just how dark this song is. It's not merely about addiction and its horrendous cycle. Sia makes point of references to her life ending. We hear her live like tomorrow doesn't exist, but really what she's saying is that tomorrow might not exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great, it's a very profound song. Oh yeah, just oh. So I'm starting um, now. I'm, st I'm starting to wonder, like, this is just my crack theory, but like, was the chandelier man made the chandelier man because the song applied, or like, was the song just a coincidence? I'm. I think they just mentioned it afterwards because they were. Yeah, no. it was Yeah, I think they just thought it was funny because, like, knowing like a lot of the times when they ask questions, they're like, "Oh, we just did that because it was." the first thing we thought True. of or something like that but uh i like to find things where they weren't intended necessarily fun mm -hmm. so one thing that we you know we that is a, a plot point that we're, we're curious about is where the man says you you were that boy so obviously the the man knows him and then who that boy like kieran was significant to him he was significant at some point as a boy and it's like why what happened how did they know each other what did it mean he was that boy what was he? So lots of unanswered questions. Other than why did he hesitate? You, what is you were that boy? What does yeah. it mean? Is one of my biggest questions. Indeed. Okay. So many Maybe questions. Answer. So little answers. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, we should end because it's been quite a long podcast, but a yes. very, very good one. Really, really great discussion. Yes. And thank you. Love, love this stuff. Yes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you yeah, for coming on and for sharing. Great podcast. Great yeah, fantastic discussion. Really, really great. Well, thanks so much, y'all. I will catch y'all later. I'll see you. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Alley Cat, Lily, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth Maria, Molly Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, Saucy Tuggles, Meg, Anna Rose, Priya, Alex, Misty, Laura, and Joanne. Your support is truly appreciated.